Blog Talk Radio.
Good evening, everybody. Welcome to Going Deeper in Jesus. I'm co-host Apostle Ed Everly. I'd like to welcome everybody here in the United States as well as around the world. Uh, before I get started, I want to explain something to you all. This evening's a, a little different here, and I want to explain what happened a couple of weeks ago, because some of you are probably wondering, maybe a lot of you are wondering. Uh, two weeks ago, I was growing our, our team uh, to come on together in this program. Roy asked me to team up with him to do this program every, every uh, other week. So anyhow, what happened last week, uh, we had a mechanical problems where I couldn't get on, so Roy had to do it by himself. Uh, so this week, uh, in fact, two weeks later, uh, we were going to be on. He was going to do his part again. I was going to do mine. But something came up that he and his wife, Evelyn, they're going to be going to see some family that they haven't seen for a long time. So he asked me if I would do it solo myself tonight. So, of course, I will because I had a part to do uh, last time, and, of course, he did his part. So this is sort of like a part B to what he did uh, two weeks ago, part A. So I would I like to ask you all to go to the on-demand section because uh, it's uh, part two it has there, and uh, Apostle Roy does that part by himself. It's very good, but listen to that. And then, of course, you can listen to this part B also because this, this will give you a, a pretty complete uh, teaching about the five-fold ministry and better understanding of it. So I wanted to clear that up because some of you, of you are probably wondering what happened last week and then maybe this week what's happening and I'm here by myself. But that's what it is. So two weeks from now, Lord willing, the two of us will be here to do the program, okay? But this is just a little bit different. Okay, well, let's look to the Lord in prayer before we go any further, all right? Heavenly Father, we just want to praise you. We want to lift up the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father, for the privilege to do the program tonight and minister in your word, Father. It is truly an honor to minister your word, Father, that privilege. There isn't a greater thing that we could do in this world than minister your word and minister to people, Lord. Father, tonight I would ask that you would give me the words to say. Give me the, the wisdom, the understanding, and, and speak through me, Father. Speak to the hearts, not just to the heads of people, but the hearts, Father. For, Father, we know this comes from your heart, your word, and this is what your word tells us in Isaiah fifty-five eleven that your word will not come back void, but it will go forth and will achieve the attendant purpose that you sent it forth for. So I'm asking you tonight, Father, send your word and your anointing through these airways right here to touch the hearts of the people, to move upon their lives, whatever needs they might have, whatever situations they might be in, Father. We just ask you just to bless this program. And, Father, for everything that's accomplished, we'll give you all the glory and the praise, for it's in Jesus' precious name we ask. And they all said. Amen and amen and amen. Well, praise God. I'm really, really looking forward to giving this program tonight, really doing it, because uh, God had shown me some more things that he wanted me to deal with than what I had uh, two weeks ago. I told Pastor Roy that uh, this evening. He gave me some more things to share. So uh, I believe there could have been a purpose behind that because I didn't have as much really in my spirit as what God uh, had showed me this week. So here we go. If you have your Bibles, I'd like you to turn to the book of Ephesians, chapter 4. We're going to start with uh, verse 11, verse 12, and then verse 13. We're going to read those three verses. <clears throat> and he gave some apostles, some prophets, 
some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in unity of the faith and of knowledge of the Son of God, unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Okay, this is ministry. These are ministers of the gospel, the fivefold ministry in these offices here, these five offices. They are called, each one of them, each office is called for the perfecting of the saints, to get the saints and get all but into the place of pleasing God, obeying God, walking and doing the things that he wants us to do. We can, we can, that we can all say, for me to live is Christ, to die is to gain. And that's a big statement. You know, Apostle Paul made that statement. But for me to live is Christ, to die is gain. And that's, that's the place that God wants each one of us to be into. And that's the purpose of the body of Christ. Uh, in fact, this is what the purpose of the fivefold ministry is, and we're going to learn that tonight, just how this works. Okay. Now let's look at the fivefold uh, ministers, these five offices. Here, here again, we'll start out with apostles, which is really the the chief of all of them, because in that order, then the prophets, then the evangelists, the pastors, and then the teachers. Okay, these are very serious jobs, and you know to whom much is given, much is required. So. Some people like to be in a hurry to call themselves apostles or prophets or teachers or pastors or evangelists. They, they think that there's something about this title. I'm going to call myself that. It's going to look good. It's going to make me really look like somebody. Uh, well, what you're doing, you're asking for a lot of responsibility, a lot of things to answer for, and a lot of things that we have to be required to do because remember who to whom much is given much is required so you're asking to be required a lot from god and he does expect because of all people especially the apostle and on down also to the uh, the teacher god expects us to be examples not just by what we minister what we teach and things like that or how we operate in the gifts of the spirit but a lifestyle that brings glory to the lord also in the fruit of the spirit that is the chief thing to begin with, because if we aren't living the right kind of a life and lifestyle, we're bringing a reproach on the gospel of Christ. So this is our first responsibility, is to live and walk in the life that he expects of us. Then, of course, the other things follow. Now, these five positions need to come to a place, and they will come to a place if you're genuine. If you're not, you won't last in them or it just won't work. But first of all, you need to be proven. You need to be humble and test it, test it. And that happens to us. That happens to us. Many times I've known people that operate in the gifts of the Spirit as well as in the fivefold ministry. In fact, I operate in the fivefold ministry myself. I operate in basically all the callings on there, but some are stronger than others. And uh, the bottom line is I've seen some. I'm not seeing a love of Christ on. I'm, not, I'm seeing some pride, some arrogance, and people think they're, they're great. You know, it's kind of an attitude, and, and this is what this is all about, these, uh, these five-fold ministry. It's simply a position to be a servant to the people in a way that God has ordained for you to do it. It's not a glorious position in the realm of uh, like a, a rock and roll star or some celebrity or something. It's not about that. It's about service for the Lord to do his bidding for him, to do what Jesus 
started 2,000 years ago. We're to finish the job that Jesus started. He's at the right hand of the Father. Now it's up to us in the five-fold ministry to teach people, to help people, and get to the place where they are used by God through the Holy Spirit. And we have to look at it in that light, because if you're, you're thinking about that as a, a situation to elevate yourself for some prideful thing, well, that's the wrong attitude all the way. And that won't work. That just brings reproach to the gospel. Okay. I'm going to read something right here. It's going to give you, you're going to have a little understanding as we get further along in the message. But it goes like this. The apostles lives with leaders. The prophet lives with God. The evangelist lives with the lost. The pastor lives with the people. And the teacher lives with the word. Now, this is showing an identity right here of what the markings are that each office is really connected to. And we're going to talk about that. Okay. Let's start with apostle because that's that's the first one that's mentioned in the book of Ephesians that we read. Okay, I'm going to read this to you. People who score highest with an apostolic position are dream awakeners in the kingdom of God. They awaken people to their God-designed potential. They are instrumental in people discovering who they really are and walking alongside them to get there. They forge new paths in the kingdom and are a catalyst for change wherever they go. Okay, first of all, an apostle is a leadership or a leader position, okay? Now, dream awakeners. Uh, there's many people, but they get revelations from God. They get prophetic words from God, dreams, and all types of things, okay? They have a, a dream, and, and God is leading them a certain way. An apostle, what they do, they direct the people. They try to direct the people and encourage the people to lead them and help lead them to a pathway with the Lord that they're going to get to the place that God has called them to be. Not to make a uh, part of themselves, in other words, a copy of themselves, because we never try to duplicate ourselves in the sense of what we are and what we do. We're to duplicate people to, to minister Jesus Christ to the people to be soul winners and live the life. We, we, we duplicate. We want that to see the good uh, works that we have and the fruits that we operate in. But as far as the calling and what we do, what our job is, is to people, what they're calling is we're to help them, to nurture them, to mentor them, be their spiritual father, be their spiritual mother, whatever the case might be, and help them to achieve what's in their heart to get them to that place that they can actually stand to their own two feet and walk like the Scripture says right there in Ephesians. Uh, in fact, in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 13, so they can walk, or it says this in the 13th verse, till we all come in the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, a complete man, that means, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So they come into that fullness themselves, you see. That is our job to do that. And... With that position, it, it's a form of leadership. Uh, it's, a, it's a hands-on thing on that, but it's really an overseer position also of all the things because we're, we're overseeing things in people like the Apostle Paul did, different churches he went to. He visited these churches, and when he visited these churches, uh, he made sure things were aligned. And, of course, uh, the biggest thing that we do is make sure 
the people are grounded in the word, not not uh, what people think or what people said or what they practiced a couple hundred years ago or, or what uh, grandma said or grandpa or what the pastor said. No, no. What does the word say about it? We don't go by the strength of man or, or any church or anything like that. We go by what the word and the Holy Spirit says about whatever the issue might be. It must be brought down to that. That that has to be. That that first has to be it because if we aren't founded on the foundation of the Word of God, everything else is sand, you see. So we make sure, hey, is this founded right? Are they doing the right thing just like Paul did when he visited the Corinthians, he visited the Philippians. He makes sure if they're doing what they're supposed to do, you see. Now, apostles govern, okay? They create disciples, all right? They're different. They're different uh, from uh, the evangelists. The evangelists create converts. But our job is to create disciples, to disciple people, to get them to the place. And, of course, when we do that, then there's other parts in the fivefold ministry. It has their part that they do, and they do their part, and that helps get to that man or woman to the place that they need to be because the uh, apostle doesn't do it all. The apostle oversees his part. What they do is an overseer, basically. But yet they make sure that things are really in line. And that's why the most pressure is on the apostle when they give most of the account, because we have to ensure things and make sure uh, those that we're dealing with, are they getting the right word or are they getting opinions? You never want to give your opinion to anybody on anything. Not your opinion. Give them what the word says. Don't. When it comes to the Word of God, preaching and teaching, if, if you're giving your opinion, you can do like Paul said in a, in a few portions of Scripture and said, Paul said this. He said, uh, now this is what I think. And he, he specified that. That just me saying that. He, he didn't say it was holy writ. But when you're speaking something, never give your opinion like it's what the Lord says. Because when you're standing out there ministering to people, whether you're at the pulpit or just talking to them face-to-face, you're feeding them. And the Bible tells us in Acts 20, 28, that we're to take heed whom what we give to of the Holy Ghost, because the Holy Ghost has those people, and it says take heed who you, what you teach and what you say, because the precious blood of Jesus was given for these people and to these people. So anything you do to mess that up or, or to make that bad, that's going against the Word of God and going against God. So we have to be very careful what we say and what we do and make sure that we are in line. So that's basically what an apostle does. And apostles, uh, many times uh, in leadership, uh, they, they, well, they help one another also and everything. They're there to, to really to help one another and encourage one another, but become strong in these things because uh, when we read this uh, in Ephesians here, a lot of times people just kind of gloss, uh, gloss over it. But that, that's a big saying there, that we come uh, in a unity of faith being unified and have the knowledge of the Son of God done to a mature Christian. Now, how many Christians are mature nowadays? You see, we have a lot of work to do. Okay, and to the measure and the stature of the fullness of Christ. Okay, the fullness of Christ. That, that's uh, that's really saying, if you really want to break it down, that's like John fourteen twelve. Jesus said, the things that I do, so shall you do even greater things. We're operating uh, in the character and the ability of Jesus Christ. And that's, that's a big statement right there. A lot of people say that. They say, oh, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Is it really? Are we really walking in the power of God? Are we really living that life in the fruit of the Spirit? 
or do we have a lot of kinks in our armor? So uh, our biggest responsibility to me as an apostle is to make sure I'm right. <laughs> because, hey, if I have a beam of my own eye, I can't take the moat out of somebody else's eye. So in all these positions, we have to make sure that we are straight ourselves above all. Everybody needs to do that, but especially those in the five-fold ministry, we have to validate ourselves and examine ourselves. Like Paul said, he said, hey, I have to examine myself uh, daily. If I don't, I can become a castaway after preaching the gospel to all these people. That was the Apostle Paul that wrote more than half of the the, uh, New Testament, a mighty man of God that he was. So we have a great responsibility. So uh, make no mistakes. You have a lot of responsibility. I have a lot of responsibility to answer to God for so that, that's what this position calls for. Okay, let's look at the next position on here. This, this what is that, okay? The prophet, okay? People who score the highest with a prophetic position are heart revealers in the kingdom of God. They are effective in revealing God's heart for his people wherever they go. They can accurately discern God's heart for a situation. They help people experience God's voice for the very first time and to help them develop hearing the voice of God in their own life. Okay, they're after the heart of God. They're heart revealers, okay, it tells us. And whenever uh, they minister to people, they minister from the heart, whatever that situation might be. And they're speaking like God's heart to them. But what they're trying to do is sharing with that person how did they do this? How did this happen to them? You see, not everybody's, going to, not everybody's going to be a prophet, but how are you going to hear from God? Because that is the basic thing for all of us, no matter if you're in the fivefold ministry or not. How do you hear from God, you see? Knowing his heart and a situation that that person is, what does he expect of that person? You're dealing with a man or a woman, okay? And uh, there's a situation in their life. Now, what's the heart of God? What is he saying to you? What is his heart to you that you're going to help that person with? What direction are you going to go? What word do you have for them, you see? And that, that's kind of the foundational portion of that. Now, I know there's other things you're going to say. Well, yes, somebody will prophesy and they'll say, two weeks you're going to have this, you're going to do that. Yes, yes. But we're talking to the core thing right here. It's not just giving a prophetic word to somebody, but it's actually helping them through their situation there and how they hear from God to help them to mature themselves, teaching them how. Now, I want to tell you something about prophecy, uh, especially with a prophet. You know, a lot of times you'll say, well, prophet, I like to hear what, what does the word, what do they have? They have a word for me. Do you have a word for me? Well, you shouldn't really do that. You know, if somebody has a word for you, they're going to come to you and give you a word. But here, here's the thing. Here's the thing about it. When you uh, get a word from God, sometimes that prophecy or that word that you get will happen no matter what. It'll just happen no matter what you do or what you don't do. But there's certain prophetical words and promises that God makes to you, whether it's in a dream, whether it's uh, it's in a word itself, it's through somebody, however it comes to you. Maybe he just speaks it to your heart or whatever. There's certain things that will happen like that, but there's a condition to those promises, to that prophecy. You have to do your part, you see. From the time that you get that prophetic word to you arrive at the promise, there's a a time. That is the hardest time between the promise and the provision. And during that time, how you hear from God, what you do, how you live your life, 
is contingent upon whether that's going to become a reality, that prophecy in your life. I had a friend one time that told me, he told me, he said, he said, you know, I've had so many prophecies over me, and they just will never come to pass. <laughs> that's a bad, he thought he was making a bad indictment upon the prophets, but really he was making a pretty bad one on himself because a lot of times people will get a word from God, and they don't really think about it anymore. They just get excited they got a word, but they, they don't think, well, what is this word? What am I to do here? What's my part in this? Do I have a part, Lord? And we need to be ready. We need to be ready to do our part if God has us do something in that. We don't put our hands in it if God doesn't tell us to, but yet we have that responsibility to do that if he does tell us to, because that's why it's important that we listen to God, that we hear the Holy Spirit like the job of the prophet to help people hear the voice of God and to obey the voice of God and to understand these things. Because if I miss a step, I could miss the whole thing. Because, you know, there might be ten steps you actually get to. I'm just going to use a little example. might be the tenth step that the, uh, the promise comes to pass. And you walk four steps, but then you miss the fifth step. And you, after you miss that fifth step, well, hey, you're liable to miss the, the whole thing because God never goes to the next step or goes to anything until you pass it. In other words, uh, you don't skip a grade with God. You go through everything he has for you, you know. In other words, have you ever have you ever, ever been in a situation that you would say, well, hey, I went through this thing before. seems like I experienced this before. You seem like you're going in circles. Guess what happened? You didn't pass the test. So God will keep you in a place until you see and obey what he's told you to do before you advance, you don't skip a grade with God. You're going to complete it or you're not going to get it. That's, that's how God operates. So that's why it's so important to hear the voice of God. Now, the prophet, the prophet themselves, uh, many times, uh, when they hear things, they, they, will, they will say various things in the church. And of course, they're supposed, they're supposed to be judged. The prophet's supposed to be judged by what they say also. Now, prophets can times, if they're not careful, they can be kind of a gruff or a, a really a personality that uh, they kind of be almost egotistical sometimes or think, hey, I'm it, or, you know, don't judge me, don't look at me, I hear from God, I, I said it, and that's it. Uh, some of them like it. I've, I've met them, I know some like that. And we have to watch ourselves in that way because even though I know when I hear from God on something, and if somebody challenges it, naturally something will rise up in you, but yet you have to be able to discipline yourself until you don't lash out or be foolish about it. Because if it's from God and you do the right thing, it's going to happen. But the devil can trip us up sometimes and, and try to throw something at us. Somebody will throw a curveball at us when we do something, and then we kind of maybe snap at him or something else, and it brings a kind of a reproach. So with these gifts and these anointings, even though we hear from God and we're sure of things, uh, most of the time, uh, we need to be uh, walking in the fruit of the Spirit with love and not, not uh, jump off onto somebody or something because we didn't like what they said or didn't say or how they did this or how they didn't do this. So we have to be so careful of that. So uh, this is the thing. This is the thing, with these, especially these two offices right here. These are higher offices that uh, people, people that operate in these positions, you know. So... The biggest and the best thing is to recognize something else. A lot of times in prophecies and people, what I have seen over the years, I'm kind of throwing some things in here. Uh, the, the most of the time, a lot, I won't say most of the time, I wouldn't even say anything like that, but I'll say 
there's times that a prophet, they'll be right on something, but they miss the timing of it. Most of the mistakes in prophecy or prophets or timing or people that get these things think it should have happened yesterday. Uh, there's prophecies and things that God has showed me 30, 40 years ago are just starting to happen now. And some of them haven't happened yet. So, I mean, there's a lot of things that I've known in my own heart for many, many years, and I'm sustained by that because I know it's come to pass because God put it there. It wasn't some prophet or prophetess that told me that. I hear from God. I know what God is telling me to do, and it confirms things to me and it encourages me when they say things, but they aren't telling me anything that I don't know most of the time because God has always showed me those things. I've learned to hear from God over the years. And the thing about it is that uh, you – uh, have to just simply trust God when he brings it to pass. Sometimes we can get over-anxious, and that gets us in trouble when you get over-anxious for something that happened, we get a word. But just trust God and know he will bring it to pass in his time. But like I said just a few minutes ago, take the steps that you need to take. Lord, what do I have to do in this? Direct my steps to what, what I heard this prophet say. This is this from you. This is from you. You direct my steps. You tell me and show me what to do. I'm following you, Lord. When you submit yourself to him like that and ask him to direct your steps, he'll do it. But you see, you have a part in it. You have to communicate with him. So that is uh, a good, sure way of you doing what you need to do because some people will say, hey, I'm waiting on the Lord for this thing to happen for me, this prophecy. The Lord might come back to you and say, hey, I've been waiting on you to do this so I can bring it to pass, right? So we have to be careful of those things. Make sure that we are in line with this thing, that we have peace about it. Am I doing my part? And if that's right, just trust God to bring it to pass. Okay, the third thing here is, I don't think I gave you something here about the prophet right here. Uh, well, he he's a guide, more or less a guide to people a lot of times. He helps guide them, and he has a heart of God, hidden things of the future and foresight, hidden things of the future. A lot of times when we speak of the future and the gifts of the Spirit, that is a word of wisdom. Anything that is going to the future is what the gift of the Spirit is for the word of wisdom. Word of knowledge is now word of wisdom in the future. But many times they'll have things for the future, the hidden things for the future. They have foresight. They, they're, they're looking ahead. The Holy Spirit's giving them things ahead, and that's how a, really a true prophet operates. They're looking ahead, and they have these things, and that's uh, only God can do that. But that's their calling. They have foresight, too. I guess you could label a prophet as one that has the foresight of God. That's kind of putting it in a nutshell. An evangelist. Okay. An evangelist. Let's see what he says about him. People who score highest with a evangelistic position are storytellers in the kingdom of god they make the stories of jesus remarkable goodness and love famous they are the carrier of good news and partner with jesus in celebrating people's transformation they stir curiosity and desire to know jesus their life is a living invitation to all to join the family of god they are really soul winners matter of fact what they are, they create converts. You see, remember the apostles create disciples to get the people where they need to be, you see. But a evangelist, they create converts, getting people born again. Now, make no mistakes, that's all our job is to get people born again. That isn't just the evangelist, but that's what that office really 
is designated for in a, in a great way. That's what's really on their heart. That's how they operate and they're most effective and really good at what they do. Anointing is what to do. That anointing is on them to do that, you see. The anointing has to be on you for these positions, these offices, or otherwise it won't work. It won't happen. You can't fake them. It's either there or it isn't there, you see. And they have an anointing for that. They see success. They see souls saved. They see all types of things like that happen. And I'll tell you something else about an evangelist that goes with it. Signs and wonders follow. Signs and wonders and miracles, that goes with an evangelist, you see. If you're a true evangelist, signs and wonders must follow. You're not really an evangelist if you don't have signs and wonders following you. You can be an evangelist, but you need to move on up, move on out there, because these things are supposed to follow you as an evangelist. Philip was an evangelist, remember, the the, the unique to the Lord? Well, he baptized him, rather. In fact, he was translated. He was translated after he baptized the uh, the man there, you know, the eunuch, and he left, you know, over in Africa. So uh, remember, they're soul winners. They're the ones that lead people to Jesus Christ, and they're, they're good storytellers. They make it very interesting and what, how wonderful it is to be in the kingdom and how necessary it is to be in there. They're constantly getting people saved, wanting to get people saved, getting them born again, uh, Things like this, you see, and that, that's the drive. That's their drive. You see, these positions, these fivefold ministries are positions that they are driving positions. You have a drive within you. I know, speaking for myself, the drives that I have, I'm not gonna, going to tell you what I am and what I do. I'm not gonna, going to, that's not really necessary. I'm not on this program for that. But what I'm telling you is I have that drive within me as I operate in these offices of God, what he wants me to do. Some are are drive more than others, really direct drive. And it's not the devil, it's God It's leading us. That might be kind of a bad word for it, but it's just like I can't help but do that. I've got to do it. I can say I don't want to do this, I quit doing that, I'm not going to do it, and I'm right back doing it because it's in my heart, they say. I can say I don't want to do it, but, you know, I'm going to do it. But you'll say, well, don't you have a choice? You mean God's forcing you? No. But I, 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 it's so deep in my heart that I can't help myself. I can't stop myself. And I don't want to stop myself because that's what God wants me to do. So I just want to say yes to him and just be better at it in what I'm doing, you see. We grow in those things. But what you're, you're driven to, led to by the Holy Ghost, is on your heart. It's deep within you. You eat, sleep, and drink it. It's, it's your life. It means more to you than anything in this world more than anything on this earth, you see, because it's what God has anointed you and called you to do and to be, if you're that in the fivefold ministry. Okay? Pastors. Pastors. Okay? Pastors are people who score highest with a pastoral position are soul healers in the kingdom of God. They are instrumental in guiding people through brokenness back to wholeness and healing their soul from wounds that keep them from where they are. They create a safe atmosphere of family and belonging. They bring fun and enjoyment to God's ministry and allow people to feel like they are part of a greater family. Okay? So what they are, they are guards of the people. They are protectors of the people. But there's something else they are to the people. They're individually concerned about each one, you see. They don't just care about building a church, 
But when they have somebody that's in an office there and, and doing work at their church, they're concerned about their welfare. I have known pastors and churches, I've seen it happen. They work these people so much, whether they're men or women, it actually caused family problems with the husband and the wife because their concern was to build a church to get out, do this, do that. And before you know it, they had marriage problems. But a good pastor is looking out for that family, for that man, for that woman, for those children. How are things happening for them? How is their lives, you see? Now, if they have a great church, a large church, large, very large church, then there will be people designated for that. It should be having a group of people that they maintain that with these people. In other words, somebody uh, that they'll speak to, somebody they'll visit and they'll talk to to make sure all is well. Because you have to keep your, your eyes and, and in touch and in tune with people because many times people can get off the track. When they get off the track, if there isn't somebody there to help them, they're just going to get off. They aren't going to come to you most of the time. A lot of times they won't. They'll just get off the track. But if you're there for them and go see them, then they're going to share with you. Many times you're going to see what the problem is. You'll sense what the problem is. But uh, that's what a good pastor is. He's interested in that person as an individual first, and then his church building it up. But, you know, a church is only as successful as its people. It's not how big the church is, how famous it is, how much money the church has. But in the people, what kind of people is uh he being uh, used to build and his teachings, his preaching, the way he handles them, the way he deals, uh, looking and protecting them from things and situations that come into their lives that hurt them or things or people come into the church to hurt the church. You see, he's a guard. He's our shepherd. Like Jesus is our shepherd, right? Now, a shepherd watches the sheep, and he protects the sheep, doesn't he? He cares. Jesus cared about the, the one that was lost out of the 99, didn't he? And that's, that's, that's a pastor or a shepherd, you see. That kind of a heart, you see. Not everybody has that kind of a heart, but God gives people that are to fill these positions, whether it be pastors, teachers, or whatever they are in these five positions, that you have that heart for that, you see. You don't choose what you want to do and say, well, I do this or I'm that, or I do that from this. No, 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 no. It has to be God. It's a God-called position because if you're not called by it, you are not anointed for it. You don't pick a position and say, well, I think I'll be an evangelist here. Hey, you might pick the position. You'll go out there. Maybe you can preach. Maybe you know a lot of scripture. Maybe you're a good speaker and all that. But, hey, the anointing won't be there. You see, we need to walk in the anointing. And uh, the Bible says the Holy Spirit is given to them that obey him. And, you know, it's through obedience and walking in, in the perfect will of God that things happen through us and through our ministry. I found when I'm in the perfect will of God, things flow. And I've also found out when I wasn't, things fall. So we have to examine ourselves in that. And, and a pastor uh, is one of the most difficult positions of all these jobs. It really is in the ministry, I think, one of the most difficult because he's there with the people. Uh, a teacher, he teaches various places. Generally, he might go different places to teach. The evangelist, definitely, he travels. The prophet, he's around. The apostle, he's around many times, like Paul traveled all of them. But the pastor, he's kind of at a, at a place, isn't he? He's, he's at a home base, and he needs to be a great overseer, and he has to know uh, his people. He has to hear from the Holy Spirit who's to be this, who's to be that. You don't just pick a warm body to serve positions. 
or on boards and things. You need to be led of the Holy Spirit. So he really has to be led of the Spirit if he's going to position the right people in the right positions. And because if he puts them a person in a position that they're not called for, that person is going to become miserable, and it could cause problems to that person's life with his family. Or maybe you just want to give up because it's frustrated because it just don't feel right doing it. I just don't want to do it. It's a burden to me. I don't like it. Well, that's a good sign of not being called for something, you know, because there can be work to do in a church. There's a lot of things to do, but yet are you called to do it, you see? So that's the responsibility of a pastor right there. He needs to ensure these things, that these people are basically doing what God has called them to do and encourage them themselves to, to first of all, make sure before he just says, well, hey, I want to get a bunch of people to work here and get this thing going, so I'm just going to put these people there. No. No, you never do that. It must be God built. Uh, except the Lord build the house, they that labor, labor in vain. Psalms tells us in Psalms 127.1. And that would be building the house of God, might be the local church or whatever you're building. But God has to build the house, so therefore he knows who he wants and what, you say. So uh, as I talk about this and as I share with you all about this, you can see that as a grave responsibility. And, uh, of course, after a church gets very large, then you have to have people that can act on your behalf and know that they're going to do what you would do. There again, you've got to know who to appoint to take take charge of positions because you can have a great church and you can have one bad apple in charge of something, and that one bad apple will stick out there and can ruin your church and ruin a reputation and destroy your church. So, I mean... <laughs> There's a lot. There's so much involved with that when you're, you build a church and things like that. If you're taking it seriously, not just going and preaching and uh, singing a few songs. And and I'll tell you something else. I'm kind of staying on this a lot. Uh, and this goes for any of the fivefold men, well, especially a pastor. You know, you have board meetings. Of course, you have them at the vanity. We have board meetings or things like that if you have a, a ministry. And... Uh, what happens is you'll say, well, I want you guys to come in, and ladies, whoever's on the board, and, and what are we going to do about this? What are we going to do about that? What do you think about that? You should never ask them what they think about it. You know, actually, if you have a board, you should say, well, listen, I want you all to pray about this thing, and I want to hear what God's telling you about this. You don't say, what do you think about it, because that's their opinion. Our opinions don't count. It's what does God say about it, you see. Too often it's been man's opinion in boards to do certain things, and a lot of times these things fail or fall because it wasn't God that did it, you see. We have to get the mind of God, get our people into getting the mind of God, not just what they think. Say, well, this would be nice. We should do this. Well, I think we should do that. Forget the opinions. Forget them. It isn't what the opinion. I don't, I don't want somebody to tell me their opinion. I would want to give somebody my opinion because, hey, that's a great responsibility. I'm speaking for God. Give my opinion. I don't believe God likes that very well. So that, that's a mistake that people make. Uh, they don't say, let's get the mind of God, let's seek the face of God about this. That's something you don't hear from a lot of people, most churches and boards. How many pastors have you heard say that, really pray about this thing as we come together and see what God is speaking this board about, what we're going to do? I haven't heard it very much, I'll tell you. Okay. So if you want to be a pastor... Uh, you got all that, and there's more because I'm not telling you everything that I said right here is all there is to it to all these positions because nobody knows it all about anything. 
we we know things. We get more revelation, more understanding on them. But there's always more revelation and understanding they get. I don't care who it is. There isn't anybody that teaches anything that teaches the completeness of it because you can always go deeper. Just like the name of uh, Brother Roy in my program, sir, going deeper in Jesus. When you go deeper in Jesus, you go deeper in his word, right? He takes us deeper and deeper. I've been serving the Lord for 51 years, and I've preached and taught, founded churches, did things, steady, you name it. I've done it, mostly a lot of things. But, I have learned now these past few years. I, I just, I've, I, I'm learning. The more you learn, less you you really think that you know. In other words, the more I'm learning, the less I see that I really know. It doesn't make you proud. It doesn't give you an ego chip because I just realize how little I know. And I'm being honest. I'm not kidding anybody about this. It does. Any man or woman has, has been around a few years and has been through quite a few things and dealt with things. If they are really in God the way they should be, they're going to recognize how little they know and how dependent they are on God and how desperately they need God to move in and through their lives. If they aren't, then they're not talked up to God because that's what I'm finding. And that's what I find most people that I work with are the same way because we know how little we know. In fact, I'm learning more in this hour than I learned all the years past. Probably in a year's time or two, I've learned more than I've learned all the 50 years, maybe. I mean, because knowledge is increasing these days, like the Word of God tells us. Okay, let's get down to teacher now. Okay, a teacher. People who score highest with a teaching position are light givers in the kingdom of God. They make the truth and knowledge about God accessible to all. They have the ability of breaking confusion and misinformation. They are strategic in helping people know the truth of God, also how it applies to their own life. Amen. Yes. When you are a teacher, when you're a teacher, in fact, it says here what I wrote down, as I prepared this, teachers ground hidden things of the word insight. Teachers ground people and have hidden words, hidden things of insight. Okay, what we do is we teach. We ground people in truth, and we bring out the hidden things, the hidden things. Give me a little example of that right now, and I've used this a uh, number of times. It's just like no weapon formed against you will prosper in Isaiah 54:17, And that's the truth. Many people go around and will say it. and we, It's the truth. We confess it, yes. But it says, thou shall rebuke the, you know, the forces. Now, who's thou? You. Now, that, see, a half-truth was no weapon formed against you will prosper, but you must rebuke the forces for this thing to actually work. So you see, that's a hidden thing. It's not really hidden, but most people it's hidden to, because what they'll do, they'll just say, you can't prosper. Satan, you can't prosper over me because no weapon formed against me will prosper. Well, you have to deal directly, do warfare with that in order for that not to happen. You have part in that, just like we were speaking a while ago. You have a part in these things, in the prophecies, as the prophet, apostle, all these things that, that, that you get, there's parts that you have to play if you get something from somebody. Not just uh, saying, well, this prophecy is going to happen now. I'll just fold arms and sit back and wait on it. No, maybe God wants to tell you to do something or stop doing something. When you pray, when I pray, when I have a prayer request or I need something prayed about or I pray about it, I'll pray about it, have somebody pray with me or pray for me, whatever you want to call it. And 
I'm open. My spirit man is open for instructions. And I've had, uh, well, let me give you a prime example. Way back years ago, I was speaking at a church, and, and my wife and I had our home up for sale. And uh, anyhow, we were months, we, we couldn't get nowhere with it, right? So my wife and I were eating over at my mother-in-law's that day. Our kids were over there, and I came back home. They stayed there because they were going to come to church later, but I wanted to go home, and I prepared myself. And uh, I was praying, and uh, the Lord told me, you know, I, at that time, and you know, this is way back, I taught, tied off the net, not the gross. I tied off the net, the bringing up pay, not the whole thing before Uncle Sam got a hold of it. Well, the Lord told me, he said, I want you to tithe off the gross. That was on a Sunday, right? Okay, I agreed that I would tithe off the gross. Went to church that night, preached. We had a wonderful service. God moved. And don't you know, after a year, almost a year, we had that up and we're just about ready to give up on it. Don't you know, that Wednesday, a person came by. They got a great deal from me, and I got a great deal from them, and it was sold three days later. And I didn't even get my paycheck from where I worked at that time yet. I didn't get my paycheck, I guess, the Thursday or Friday, but the thing happened before I had a chance to put into practice what I told God I was going to do, and he sold it just like that. So you see what I'm trying to say here is sometimes you and I have to make some adjustments in our life for this thing to work. That was a good example right there. I, thank you, Lord, for giving that to me. Uh, there, there, but there's many other times I could reflect on, but that was, a, that was a prime example, a year of nothing. All of a sudden, bang, it's gone. So you see how it's so important when you pray about something, you stand about something, make sure you're hearing the voice of God because he'll direct the steps. He'll correct you. He'll tell you to do something, to quit doing something, maybe do this, do that. If you hear nothing, all you do then is just thank him for it and just trust it to happen. Just trust it. But always keep your radio on, your spiritual radio on. Because if you don't, you can miss something, you miss a turn, and that could be the end of your uh, your dream right there. Now, a teacher is concerned about people knowing the things, the truth of these things, and, and being grounded, a little bit like the apostle. You're really concerned. You have the heart of people in to teach people things and to point out things and correct the things like that. I know that's my heart, these things. I'm speaking a lot of things. I'm speaking my heart on, so it's pretty easy for me to talk about this tonight uh, because I am so concerned about misteachings. I have a book called Overpowering Influence of the Truth. It's at my website, and it's changed a lot of lives. God has used it in a mighty way. It's truly the book of God. It is true that I can stand up here and say it's God's book, you know, and that's big talk when you're putting God's name to something. That's a dangerous thing to do if God didn't do it. But I'm not afraid to do it because he did do it. God did that book, not me. And I want to tell you this. Uh, that book that I wrote that through the Holy Spirit, I was inspired by God. God did that through me. And uh, when you do things like that, uh, well, I had a chapter in there It deals with some issues that were, and I won't even get into the issues right there. That's not important right now. But there's some things that have really messed up the church. Uh, well, I'll, I'll mention them. Okay, give you an understanding. One of them is about eternal security. The other one is about women preachers and uh, things like that. And I explained just what the situation was about that. 
really what it was to point out what it was. Now I won't get into anything about regarding that right now. But I had to correct something because there's been a lot of mistakes that hurt a lot of people through misknowledge and misteachings has ruined some lives, taken some good men and women out of things. So that, that's a concern that people are getting a true word. Because, you know, God is not responsible for anything but his word. If I say something to him, it's not his word. Hey, he's not responsible. If I do something, say, well, Lord, I'm going to do this, whatever it might be, and I don't ask him, but I do it. I start to do it, and I say, oh, Lord, I need you to bless what I'm doing here. I need your blessing on it. You know what he could say to me? He'd say, hey, I never told you to do it. You never asked me for my permission. You never sought my face on this. Now you're asking me to bless it. You see, you and I don't uh, walk our own walk and say, well, I think I'll do this and I'll do that. Oh, Holy Ghost, Lord, bless what I'm doing right here. You bless that. No, I, we don't lead the Holy Ghost to God around. He leads us, and then he blesses it. But if you're doing something that God didn't lead you to do, you can't really ask God to bless it because he wants you to ask his permission. And God has really been speaking that to me a lot lately. And I have, have some friends that, uh, that say that, minister friends, that uh, have said that lately. In fact, one of them said something to my wife. He's not a minister, but he really operates powerfully in the Lord. And he shared that some things, what he did in his life. And he hears from God as much as anybody I know. I mean, he, he can tell story after story about things. I don't know anybody like that, like he could tell it like that. And I'm going to say this to you. Uh, we must take God into things. He says, acknowledge me in all your ways, and I will direct your path. In other words, bring it before me, and I'll direct your path. So that's what a teacher is concerned about, too, that people get that understanding, because my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge, Hosea 4, 6. And uh, so a teacher has all that in mind to get people equipped. You see, remember, we're equipping people from the apostle all the way down to the teacher. And yet they're all equally important. They're really equally important because they all have a part. We're not exalting this above this one or this one above that one, even though I, I know it's a higher position than what we do say. And, and it's a greater responsibility as well as over a larger area. But yet they're all equally important in that realm because you're dealing with people. You're, you're, you're dealing with souls there. You're getting people prepared to live a life a certain way. And if they have to answer to God for your misteaching, what are you going to answer for, you see? Take heed for whom the Holy Ghost is the people he's put you over, it says in Acts 20, 28. Take heed what you do, what you say, and that's, that's something that all these positions do right here. So I wanted to share this with you, and as a little review right here, and what I said before we started the uh, program tonight, the apostle lives with leaders. He's more of a, a leader-type capacity. He makes disciples, creates disciples. In other words, molds people into the realm that they're called to do. They have a calling in their life, and he helps them to get to that place. He discerns these things, and he helps them to get there, that their dreams are fulfilled. He stays with them, works with them, you see. And groups like Paul did. He did churches. He got churches to that place. God used Paul mightily with churches, get the churches where they should be. Okay? The prophet lives with God. Remember, he has the heart of God, right? Now, if I have the heart of God, then I have to spend time with God, or I won't have his heart, will I? He spends time with God. He's centering in on God. God, what do you want? And I understand this, too. 
And when you have the heart of God, when you're around people, you know what they need, what they don't need. It comes to you because you live with God. You're with him, you see. You have his heart. The evangelist lived with the lost, unsaved people, right? The lost, he's there, and he has the anointing, the wisdom, and everything soul with him, bringing people to Jesus, telling them the stories. He's gifted that way, you see. He has that on his heart, bringing people to Jesus Christ. And that's the most important thing because all these other things don't count if they don't come to Jesus. It must begin coming to Jesus. And also he operates, like I said, in uh, in uh, miracles, healing, the gifts of the Spirit. He moves like that also. He's not just teaching and preaching and bringing people to Jesus. Signs and wonders follow this evangelist. I know many lady evangelists. Well, I know lady evangelists. I know many, but I, I know lady evangelists, and I know men evangelists and people, uh, and they're used mightily of God in these areas, winning people to Jesus, miracles, things like this. Pastor lives with the people. He sure does. He lives almost side by side right there because they're at one place they come to weekly, and they live generally in that area or around that area. So he's right in the middle of the people all the time, right? If he's regular at church there and he's there every Sunday. He doesn't do too much traveling easy. He's there with the flock. In other words, he needs to show the fruit of the Spirit as well as the gifts of the Spirit. He needs to show something. He's with them all the time. The evangelists could hit and run, the prophet, apostle. They aren't with the people all the time. But if anybody needs to show up and show out, the pastor, right? Because he's with the people all the time. Okay? The teacher, the same way. He he uh, he can travel and everything, but yet they still have to show up and show out. Don't get me wrong. We don't just say, well, hey, we hit and run. We can do what we want to do, and they aren't going to do anything better. No, no. They will know because if you aren't living for the Lord the way you should, your messages will get to their head, not to their heart. Okay, now apostles, they create disciples. Prophets guide the heart of uh, God, hidden things for the future, of the future and foresight, foreknowledge. Evangelists gather, create, convert, sign and waters, follow. Pastors are guards, guards of the people, guards of the souls. They have the responsibility of overlooking the whole thing, every individual person, from the smallest baby to the oldest man or woman. Teachers, they ground people, hidden things of the word, insight of the word, educate people. Knowledge will increase, you see. My people destroyed for lack of knowledge, revelation knowledge, greater things, you see. That is a teacher. Okay, I believe I covered just about everything here, and I do thank you for your time and everything. And uh, I do want to encourage you all to listen to this uh, on the on-demand section there. It'll it uh, it'll come on about well the program is scheduled to eight thirty. It's about eight o'clock now, and at eight thirty uh, it ends. And usually about eight thirty-five Eastern Standard Time or before that, a couple minutes afterwards, the program will be on the on-demand section right there. So you can listen to any recording on Reaching Out Radio International uh, minutes after. It goes off the air. So I encourage you to listen to this and pray about this and uh, look at yourself. If you're uh, called to the ministry, just uh, where do you fit in a lot of these things? You know, you ask God, first of all, but this will give you some ideas. And you listen to Apostle Roy's message two weeks ago. 
Uh, he also has some great things on there, but you put them both together, and it gives you a pretty well-rounded teaching on the uh, fivefold ministry. Okay, okay. Let's let's uh, close in prayer here tonight. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Father, for the night. I thank you for the message. I thank you for the Holy Spirit. I thank you, Father, for using my tongue, Father, and Lord for things that you said and what you have to the people. And, Father, I just believe that you're going to move in the hearts of these people, not just in what I've taught tonight, Lord, but, Father, if they, whatever their needs might be, if they don't know Jesus as their Lord and Savior, if they aren't committed, if they have not been baptized in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues, if they are sick in their bodies, if they need set free or delivered in one area or another, Father, right now, in the name of Jesus Christ, I just stand with them right now. And, Father, I just release your anointing upon them right now, that whatever their needs might be, Father, I don't have any clue, Father. But I know there's many needs out there in this world today and the way this world is upon everybody. And I just, by faith, I just release your anointing through these airways right now to the listeners in the name of Jesus to move upon them whatever they need. You said that you're a very present help in time of need and time of trouble. And I release that anointing upon them for whatever it is, if they're to meet somebody to help them or, or if they're to go somewhere or whatever, a miracle healing, deliverance, finances, Father, whatever their need right now, I just bring them all before you right now. And that anointing is released upon them. And I take authority over all demonic activity in their homes, their lives, any generational curses, any witchcraft, all curses, all negative things. And I reverse these curses in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, I reverse them. And I command all demonic activity away from the listeners right now. In the name of Jesus, God, yes, God didn't give you a spirit of fear, but he gave you power. He gave you love and a sound mind. I speak sound minds to these people right now, right now to make a decision or decisions they need to make it would please you, Father. Not a jaded mind, a mind that's not able to think, or a mind that is fearful and it would make the wrong steps or wrong moves, but a free, clear mind in the name of Jesus, Father. And, Father, I just ask you just to continue to move upon your people and bless your people. And, Father, for everything that's accomplished, we'll give you all the glory and all the praise. Which in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I would also tonight, thank you, Lord, thank you, Lord. Any testimonies, any questions, if you'd like to talk to me personally, uh, Whatever, what happened to you as we ministered tonight, because we love the testimony, because that not only encourages everybody, but it encourages us. Because, you know, we don't see anybody when we minister here. We have a microphone or a phone, and uh, that's all we see. We don't see your faces. We sense things in the Spirit. I sense things in the Spirit. But yet, uh, we need to hear from you. So uh, if you're on the uh, computer, just look down below where it has comments and put your comments there. Or send me an email. Now, Brother Roy can give you his uh, next week. I don't know what his email exactly is, so I'm going to give you mine. Uh, if you need to contact me or if you want to contact Brother Roy, it doesn't matter. Uh, but uh, my email 
is extended, E-X-T-E-N-D-E-D, hands, H-A-N-D-S, of Jesus at yahoo.com. That's all small casing. So uh, send me email or what have you on that, anything that you have there but uh, to testify, need prayer, whatever it might be. But uh, it's open because I deal with a lot of people on phone, uh, you name it. I deal with a lot of people, and I'm here to serve whatever the Lord have, have me do. But uh, I do ask you to do that and just keep us informed and communicate with us, okay? Love you all, and we will see you in two weeks, okay? And you all have a, a blessed weekend now, okay? Love you in Jesus. Good night, everybody. <laughs>